Stand by to the floor in five, four, three, two, one. Coming to you live from the rich heartland of Altamont Springs, Florida, it's The Vic Show with Victor Bowers, brought to you by Super Channel WACX-TV. Take it away! Greetings! Greetings to all of you out there. Look, it's that guy again. Look at that face. Come on. I had nothing to do with that face. That's Claude and Frida's doing. Anyway. Don't mind me. I'm just dancing with my hanging sloth. Right? What's the word? It's the Vic Show. That's the word. Diane, you made it back alive. That's right. You didn't fall, you didn't fall off the boat. What's going on with Mr. Ex-President Cam? Is he not working? He never was working much before anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm telling political jokes right off the bat. No. Okay, there you go. Come on. Oh, hello. Yes. Big show. What's the word? Is, is the sloth getting in the way of my microphone working correctly? Come on. If I scratch it, do you hear it? Come on. Okay. 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 Come on. It's Victor. I don't even know if we're on live because we're having audio problems. I think sometimes that's a conspiracy to get me off the air. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not. Where did that come from? Anyway, Victor Bowers here with the Vic Show. Welcome to the Vic Show. And um, yeah, we're here. We're back. And uh, I have a, 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 a. I thought it was. A, I don't know what it was, so I texted the crew this morning and said, what is this thing? And they said, it's a sloth. And I thought, a sloth? Why? How can you tell a Bible story with a sloth? But I'm going to try, because when I saw this, I saw actually someone wearing it in a store, just walking around with this hanging from their neck. And it caught my attention as it would, you know... And I thought, you know, it's sometimes I feel like that's that thing, that sloth, hanging on the neck of Jesus. Just hanging on to Jesus. <clears throat> that's all I got sometimes. That's all you got. That's all we all have, really, is, uh, is Jesus and hanging on to him. And the reality is that he is already hanging on to us. He's holding us in his hand. The Old Testament tells us that. The prophets tell us that, that God holds us tightly. And then the, the prophecies were speaking to Israel, but Israel expanded to the global family that was promised to Abraham, that God holds us in his right hand. He holds us securely. But we forget that. So I wanted to just touch on that a little bit today here on the Vic Show. And I thought the, um, the hanging sloth would be a good visual aid. What's down here? Oh, that's his tag. Sorry. Um, Ah, look at those! Look at those lovely faces. Hello, Rente and Angie in there. What's the other side? Oh, there's Rick. Hello, Rick and Nathan back there. Yes, yes. Checking in. Wonderful, wonderful. Yes. Hanging on to Jesus. Just hold on to Jesus. But 
Uh, the Vic Show. You can reach us on um, Facebook and um, Instagram and TikTok and all the other and all it's the other. Up, let's see, there Facebook. it is on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, TikTok. TikTok, yeah, that place. TikTok. Uh, chat us up. Angie's in the control room and uh, on social media at the uh, computer there and waiting to hear from you and all that. And the Vic Show. Superman, your, sh- your shopping cart's empty. Oh, I forgot to fill it. Sorry, I forgot to fill it. <laughs> Superman's shopping bad. cart's empty. Who's been eating? All the candy. So I don't know who ate the candy. Somebody Ooh. ate the candy. Because that was old stuff in there. <gasps> it's been there since summer. Well, Superman, we're sorry. I can't, I can't get it. Anyway, nonetheless. So hanging on to Jesus. Oh, and here's um, here's Snoopy with his turkey dinner for Thanksgiving, which the time we're taping this show, it's entering the Thanksgiving season. The time to be thankful for all the Lord has done for us. And uh, the Peanuts cartoon is always a sweet way to bring in the season. Peanuts cartoon, Charles Schultz and um, Charlie Brown. All that. Good times. Good times. Good times. Let's see. Anything else we need to discuss, talk about? Oh. Um, a couple people came up to me at church over the weekend and said they were watching the Vic show. Nice. So, yeah, so now I think our viewership is up to nine people. <laughs> no, we got some new ones in from the Bahamas. Oh, we have Bahamians. That's yes. right. Y'all just came yes. back from a little mini vacation to the Bahamas. Yes, and we're talking the Vic show up big time. Talking the Vic show up. Do we get it? Well, I guess on social media or the... Uh, on what, Yeah, that's how they YouTube, yeah. right. Yeah, well, good. We're going global. Vic show's going global. It's awesome. International. International. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's just amazing. You think about the world we live in and how just in one generation it has transformed into this global connected place, you know, by the Internet and all the technology we have. It's astounding. And... Um, can travel anywhere in the world, and like I have a sister who lives in the UK, and we talk regularly on the phone or on a video chat. You know stuff that they were doing on Star Trek back in the '60s. You know, television fantasy show. Fantasy show. We're now doing normal. Everybody's doing it. It's not just the powerful and the rich. It's everybody. It's I mean, it's just mind-boggling, and uh, all the more better for the gospel. Because the gospel is a proclamation. It's a story. But it's a tr- the thing is, it's a true story. It's not fiction. It's a real experience that's still going on. The story is still being written. The finish has already been accomplished. We all know how it finishes. But the middle part is still being written in each one of our lives. And that is open to all. You can enter into the story of what God is doing today on the, this planet called Earth. And, um, and that's, that's basically the mission 
of Christian television, certainly the mission of this station and many various forms and facets. The Vic Show is actually one of them. Who would have thought? Um, but it, it, that's the shape it's taking. That's what God does when he comes into a life or he comes into an environment through people. God doesn't fill environments. God fills people who then go in and fill out environments. And you, you, get, you get churches and you get organizations doing good works and you get schools and all sorts of stuff. Hospitals, you know, doing good works. Uh, f- founded on what this one man named Jesus did and accomplished and said and spoke and lived out in front of us. And he's the one we hang on to. He's the one we hang on to. We grab, we grab hold of Jesus. And actually, he's grabbed hold of us first. But we don't know that until we hear the message of what he's done. It's called the gospel message. It's the big keep going in circles. But it's the message of what God has done for us before we even knew it. But it's part of my responsibility and and privilege and our privilege here at the station to tell you. So that's what we're doing. Through the Vic Show. Who would have thought? Give him praise and glory. Like John Hagee says, give him praise and glory. That's right. Was I getting too deep, too quick? No, it was good. Okay. Hey, thanks for the compliment. Um, uh, I'm going to have a some water. Mm. Mm. Oh, Sammy Sloth, do you want some? You want some? You want some? Ah, there you go. You're thirsty, aren't you, little boy? Little friend? Ah, there you go. Keep on hanging around. <laughs> but yeah, I saw this and it just, it, I, I chuckled. I chuckled when I saw it and it was a guy, I got it at the Walmart grocery store. And because um, they had them, you know, they sell all sorts of stuff there. They sell everything there. And uh, they sell this there. I'm like, what is this thing? And it came in gray and brown. And I like the brown one. But um, and so I'm like, and the guy was walking around with it. And I'm thinking he was a he was a clerk at the store. I'm like, but it struck me. And just the image of this thing's just hanging on his neck. And wherever the guy goes, of course, this little stuffed toy goes too. And um, but it was such such. A sweet image. This is a grown man doing this, working, you know, he was, a, he was one of the managers in the store and just walking around. And I was sold. I'm like, where can I get one? And of course, then they have them hanging at the end of each aisle. But, you know, I thought the illustration was so powerful because that's really all we can do. Um, we bring nothing to God, but yet we bring everything to God in that we carry his image. And he wants to fill that image of himself out in us so that I am not Jesus the Christ, but I'm Victor who is indwelt by Christ. Paul tells us it's Christ in Colossians, this big mystery, there's Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in Diane, Christ in Terry, Christ in all the others. So that God's image that he has planted in you from from the foundations of the world, he tells us, It is manifested, his image is manifested in you as you. You are not God, you are not God, but you carry God's image. It's a unique blend only humans take. But that image has to be filled out by him within you. So that when you go into your world, the world of 
professional environment, the world of academics, the world of homekeeping, homemaking, the world of finance, the world of construction, the world of church, the world of being a student, being in school, all these different worlds. Those are your kingdoms. If you're a student, your kingdom is your school. It's where you go and you have influence. So as a believer, you go in there and you carry Christ with you, in you. You don't have to say anything in the beginning. You just show up and the fruits of the kingdom will begin to manifest. People will be drawn to you. Just things will happen. And you're like, what's going on? And then same thing with if you're in a business environment, you carry the kingdom in there with you. And if you're a mom and you stay at home with kids or a dad and you stay at home with kids and you interact with other little kids, you know, the, the kingdom is there too. And you begin to influence younger, younger people by the kingdom of God that's in you flowing out, Christ in you. Anyway, so enough of that. So the scripture I had, actually I'm going to take off Sammy the sloth and hang him here on the, excuse me. There you go. Just hang in there, little buddy. Not that. Okay. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the end of Galatians, uh, is wrapping up his letter to the Galatian church. And um, the Galatian church was a church in what would be southern Turkey. And uh, it was a strong, powerful church. But some people had come in and began to preach and pervert the, the gospel of Christ, the message, and had begun to insert into it works that to be saved, not only did you have to believe and confess, but you also had to go through the rite of circumcision. And you had to begin to um, observe the, the laws of, uh, the, law, the rules of Torah, the dietary laws and the ceremonial laws, and all the things that the old covenant prescribed you had to do to make yourself worthy to worship God. And that was, that was there for a season, for a group of people, for a season in time. But now in Christ, and Paul was preaching to the church, those, those obligations were no longer necessary. They had been set aside by a higher, better covenant, a higher, better arrangement in Christ. And that faith in Christ was all it took, all that was necessary to worship God and to be in God's presence and have fellowship with God. We call it salvation. We call it salvation. And so Paul was telling the Galatians, you need to set these things aside. You need to, you need to tell these people to get out of here. They're people who had infiltrated the church. So the end, end of chapter 6, after Paul has written this remarkable letter to the church, he ends it, Nathan, with uh, what does he end it with? Six Galatians 6, 9. He gives, you know, he writes this powerful letter to the church, and then he ends it this way. Let us, yes, mm, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In other words, hang on, people, hang on, hang on to Jesus. That's right. Hang on to Jesus. Okay, let's go back to this. 
This is Paul telling the church after this long letter, six chapters, Galatians. Let us not become weary. Let's not get worn out and doing well, and doing good, and doing the things that I've told you about, that Paul is telling them about. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up, if we keep hanging on to Jesus. Now, also, um, let's go back to Isaiah 40. Where does this notion of hanging on start for us? It starts in Isaiah chapter 40. Now, Isaiah 40, this is just a little bit of instruction. Isaiah 40 is unique in all the scriptures because Isaiah, when you study in the, in the Christian Bible, the Jewish Bible may have, I think, a different arrangement. But the way the Christian, you know, because the, the Jewish Bible does, there are several different arrangements of the Bible. Um, the, the Jews have... Their, their Bible, and it's, it's uh, many of the same books, but it's arranged differently. Like the Jewish Bible, the old te- the, their Bible, which is only what we would call the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, ends with Second Chronicles. Our, our Old Testament ends with Malachi. Theirs ends with the Second Chronicles. And there's reasons for that, but that's, that's just an aside. But Isaiah 40, and I, the book of Isaiah, is the first of the prophets in the Bible. You know, you have all the major prophets and you have all the minor prophets. Isaiah is, 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 one of the, is the top dog, in my opinion, of the major prophets. And in the middle of the book of Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, the scrolls of Isaiah is a long reading. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff in there. But in Isaiah chapter 40, the prophecy, the words of Isaiah takes a, a radical shift. And it begins to talk about what would become a, come a Messiah, a Messiah figure. Isaiah starts to prophesy and talk about one that will come who will bring comfort to his people. And I find that beautiful. Isaiah 40, chapter 1, and I'll just read it for you. We didn't get it. Isaiah 40, chapter 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her her hard service has been completed. That's the opening line in the Christmas story. Like Handel's Messiah, the great oratorio, the first word that is sung in all of that great work of art, Handel's Messiah, is comfort. Comfort, comfort ye my people. Your day of trouble is over. The work has been completed. This was being prophesied six, 700 years prior to Jesus by Isaiah. What was Isaiah talking about? He was prophesying into the future. He didn't even know what he was talking about. But he was beginning to, God, through Isaiah, God was beginning to speak into the earthly realm words that would one day take shape in a physical body. And that physical body's name would be Jesus. But that wasn't the time now. Oh, look at that. Sorry. And so in Isaiah 40, we begin to get these foundational teachings about one that will come that we can hang on to. And see, this is, this is vital for a person, at least for me. I'll speak for myself. I don't have a concept of God. It's impossible. It's who is God? What is God? You know, and we throw that name around. We throw that word around around. 
and we don't really know a lot of times what, you know, what shape does God take? And if you look around, you'll see the shape God takes in the, in the lives of every, every person. Everybody's worshiping something. Everybody's crying out for a higher power. Everybody's clinging to something to get them through the day, whether they know it or not, or whether they admit it or not. Now we have scientific terms like addictions. People do things to help them cope with their pain. People depend on other people called codependency. We have all these scientific, philosophical, or psychological names for things, issues we deal with. People have anxiety because they're afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of the unknown. Or maybe even afraid of what they do know. They have a terminal disease. If they have some kind of condition in their life or something, a pending lawsuit where they know they're going to be uncovered and it's better maybe to consider suicide than to face seeing a judge. That brings great anxiety. The unknown. And how much more a God who is unknown? What shape does that God take? And the Israelites, the ancient Israelites, had the same problem. They knew and they had been told they were the people of God. They were the chosen. But the only way they could access God or have any relationship with God were, were through what seemed like silly customs. They have to wear certain things. You have to take certain baths. You could only worship in Jerusalem. It was a lot of work that had to be done. Men had to be circumcised. It, they were, and, and none of the world, none of the other world did this. No one outside of Jerusalem or Judea, Ju, uh, Judaism did these things. And they, and you read the accounts in the Old Testament and they're going back and forth, coming and going between a relationship with God because it's impossible. And they were, they were struggling with it. They wanted to worship. They would always, whenever ancient Israel fell, it was because they would fall. They would reject God by worshiping other idols. They would reject God because it was easier and more popular to worship the idols of the surrounding nations. Because those surrounding nations had idols that you could see, that you could touch, and that you could experience physiologically. You could see them. They had idols. When you went to the temple in Israel, you open the door, there's no idol in there. Ever think of that? Israel's temple had some furniture. It had some houseware, some bowls, some candlesticks. It had a holy of holies. And in the holy of holies was not a statue. It was a box that was empty. Or it had like some staff in it. Aaron's staff, a Buddha man, but there was no, there was nothing. Who am I to look at if I go to J J Jerusalem's temple? There's no idol in there. Why do I? So it was odd. It was bizarre. It's easier to worship idols that I can see. It's easier to worship my money than to worship a god I can't see. And then I have to go to church and deal with these people. I'll just worship in the internet, or I'll just worship my job, or I'll just mm -hmm. go to some other God that I can see and touch, mm. and that I can also kind of control. Wow. You can't control this silly God you can't see. He's uncontrollable. He's wild. He's bad-tempered. He's moody. I want a God I can control. So it's hard. I get it. And God understood it. So God began to say, listen, Isaiah, tell my people, a day's coming when things are going to change and I am going to be with them, but I'm going to be with them as them. 
And now we're, they're in a learning process. And I am forgiving them. I'm bringing them back. But I'm going to come to them as them. And they will be able to touch me. And they will be able to experience me. And I will be able to fully experience them as I've wanted to do. But the time has not come. So Isaiah began to prophesy and began to speak these things. So in the verse chapter 40 of Isaiah begins any of the prophetic utterances towards a Messiah. And at the end of chapter 40, we read these words, Nathan. Do you not know? It's a rhetorical question. Do you not know? Of course you don't know. Have you not heard? Huh? No, you haven't heard. So listen up. The Lord is the everlasting God. The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Wow, okay, that's awesome. He gives strength to the weary. Hmm. And he increases the power of the weak. Huh, I've been... I've been weary before, and I've been weak before. So he's going to give me strength, and he's going to give me power. Even your youth will grow tired and weary, and your young men stumble and fall. Yeah, we know that. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope in the Lord. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. They will soar on wings like eagles, so they will fly, and they will run and not grow weary, so they will run, and they will walk and not be faint. Huh, that's odd. You, th- you first think you would start with walking, and then running, and then flying, but here it's in reverse order. They're going to soar on wings like eagles, okay. They will run and not grow weary, okay. They will walk and not be faint. He ends with the walking and not fainting, because that's the reality of life. Maybe a few days in your life, you're going to have some high experiences and you're going to soar like an eagle and feel good. But that's rare. Don't, don't expect that. Don't, don't put your hope in that. You, a few days you'll run and you'll, you'll have the energy to run, but you're not going to be able to run every day. But the experience of life is walking. That's where the rubber hits the road. And God promises they will walk and not be faint. They will be able to hang on to Jesus and not be faint. So Victor, what are you saying? I'm saying hang on to Jesus. Hang on to Jesus. What do you mean? We do this in faith now. Only because at a point in time in history, there was a man who came along named Jesus. A man that we could touch, a man who could touch us, a man who could eat with us, a man who could give us words of hope, a man who could raise the dead when he simply walked by them, a man who could feed the hungry, a man who could rid people of demons, a man who brought salvation. And wherever this man went, people begin to hang on to him and people begin to follow him. Because in their own way, 2,000 years ago, they were beginning to hang on to Jesus. Well, my friend, the story has never changed. God has come in the flesh. And now he's here by his spirit. And I'm telling you about him. His name is Jesus. Hang on to him. 
I know it's a leap of faith. Take the leap because he's there and he will catch you. That's the whole point of leaping in faith is that when you do it, God will be there to catch you with his hands. He tells us that. Hang on to Jesus. Just let that word ring in your mind. With God, all things are possible. There's some big show.